welcome, and thank you for listening to Waypoint Community Church Podcasts. We hope you enjoy. We're so happy to have you here, and we want to welcome you. And uh, man, it's a little colder than I thought it was out there, so hopefully you're staying warm. Want to be able to start off with a little bit of prayer, so if you would just join me, could we just uh, take another moment to pray? Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come together. As Stephen said, we want to be able to just uh, worship your name alone. May your name be above every other name. Uh, This morning, God, we ask that uh, we invite your Holy Spirit, as we just sang, to be welcomed here to fill our hearts. May you challenge us. May you make us better people that want to serve you, that want to pursue you. Um, God, we're creative beings. We're emotional beings. Would you touch... Would you touch us in a unique way this morning where we can, we can go out, you can, you can fill us up, you can send us out, God, and that we can make a difference in our communities this morning, God. Uh, this week, there's gonna be things that take place in our lives, there's gonna be tasks, um, there's gonna be trials, there's gonna be struggles, there's gonna be laughter, tears, there's gonna be joy, there's gonna be a lot of different things, and may we find a way through all those things, God, to uplift your name. We thank you. And I thank you for these individuals that are here this morning. We ask that you would just also keep our students uh, safe as they're on the Kalahari trip. Bring them back safe to their parents and their families. We pray a blessing and safety over them. Um, We thank you, Jesus. It's in your amazing name. Amen. Well, I don't know if you've ever done something extremely dumb and then you wish that you wouldn't have done that thing. I have a whole book that I'm writing about those things, but I wanna share one particular thing with you that I did one time, and uh, I know I've shared this story before, but this was, a, this was a somewhat costly mistake, and it's just one of those things that Megan and I said we wouldn't really bring up again, but I just thought, you know, it just, it just needs to be brought up again. So I'm gonna tell you about this. We're in, we're in Indianapolis, and it's just one of those great weekends. This is, this is a couple years ago, three or four years ago, and having a terrific time. We're staying with my uh, sister-in-law and brother-in-law at their place. We're gonna stay the whole weekend. It's just gonna be a joyous time. We're gonna eat P.F. Chang's. We're probably gonna go up to the Eagle's Nest. It's just gonna be a wonderful time. And maybe you've had those things, you have a vacation or something you're doing and you just expect just, it's just gonna be fun. Nothing's gonna disrupt your trip. Nothing's gonna mess up your trip. So we go on this little vacation and I'm, I'm just very excited. So I have this car, I really like this car. and. Uh, I drive it down to Indianapolis, and we're there, we're getting good food, the weekend's going terrific, and uh, I decide, you know what, they were gonna, I think Monica and Megan were gonna go get like a pedicure or something, do something, and um, I actually believe they invited me, but I, I'm such a man, I turned that down, so if, you've, if you're a man and you've gotten a pedicure, we need to talk after this, but I hear they're really good, but anyways, so Megan's gonna go get this pedicure, and I decide, well, you know, I got a couple, maybe an hour to kill, a couple hours to kill. I'll, I'll do something with, with my time. And so I think, what could I possibly do with my time? I thought, well, there's an Apple store in the mall, and the mall's not super far away. You know what? I'll drive down to the mall, go to the Apple store. So can I get an amen for the Apple store? Anyone? No? Thank you. Yes, I appreciate it. So I decide, I'm going to go down to the Apple store and Good things are going to take place because it's already been a terrific weekend, but now that I'm about to enter into the land of milk and honey, 
by going to the Apple store, it's gonna be an even better weekend. It's gonna be incredible. So I get in my car and I say, babe, I'm heading down to the Apple store. I'll see you later. Enjoy your pedicure. Start the car. I drive down. I say, oh, I need some gas. So I'm gonna stop at the gas station real quick. And I stop at the gas station. I know when I tell you this, some of you guys are gonna be like, oh my goodness, I've been there before. Maybe not, but I hope some of you guys say this. So I pull up to get some gas, and again, I, I have a smile on my face. It's just a good weekend. I'm heading to the Apple store. I want to paint this incredible picture for you right now because I was really happy, and I grab the, the nozzle off and shove it in the car and click the button, and I head in to get myself probably a pack of gum. I'm whistling. Everything's good. I come back out. I take the thing out. I put it back in the pump, and I start the car, and I get on the highway, and I the car dies, and I'm like, oh, that's not good. I was just in a really good mood. Now the car's dead. What's happening? And uh, I look at my receipt, and uh, turns out I put the green nozzle in my car and um, put ethanol in my car, and so absolutely destroyed it. How many of you guys have ever come close or done something like that? Show of hands. I know there's got to be some, nobody. Wow, so I'm the only individual in here. That's very disappointing. I knew I... Uh, Oh man, that's not good. That's not good at all. I thought there was at least going to be one. Let me explain myself really quick. Is the diesel, the diesel thing, I know that nozzle's bigger, but the green ethanol one is actually the same size. It's a very easy mistake. I'm trying to give myself a little grace here, but it's a, it's a very easy mistake that one could, one could possibly make. So I, I put that in there and realized, oh my gosh. And so I call Megan and I'm like, yeah, you know, um, I know you're not gonna be super happy about this, but I ended up putting ethanol in my car. She, what, you did what? Yeah, I put ethanol in my car and I'm currently stuck on the, you know, the, the highway in Indy and this is a very disappointing thing. My, the trip is quickly not becoming a good one and so we have to get everything towed back and I had school at the time. I was still in school and Megan's a year older so she was out of school. She had a couple of days off so she took uh, the next few days to stay down there and get this whole thing sorted out and I had to go back to school. So I went back and drove back uh, in another vehicle or I think maybe my dad picked me up with, and I had my, ta my uh, tail between my legs the whole time. So it was very, very terrible. And the thing that makes it even better is that uh, to get that fixed, it cost $1,800. So that was a really, really exciting little gas mistake. Have you ever done something like that where you're just kind of in a hurry, you make a mistake and then it costs you $1,800? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But I can tell you that this particular story might not be you exactly. Maybe you've never put the ethanol thing because you're smarter than me, and trust me, that, that is very true, that you are smarter than me, but I bet sometimes you've made a mistake where you've done something quick, you're going through the motions, and your focus got shifted. See, in that moment, my focus was shifted. As I was so focused on going to such an exciting place, basically Disney World Mini with the Apple Store, that I didn't realize the nozzle that I was pulling out. I thought I had the, the black one, apparently I'm colorblind, but put the green one in and cost myself some money. Megan and me were a little bit frustrated. As you can imagine, I was defensive because it was an easy mistake that anyone could make, but uh, see, sometimes we've done these things where we lose our focus, we shift our focus, and all of a sudden it becomes this thing where you wish you could have that moment back. Last week I talked to you about peace. But see, peace is so many different things, but when you look at peace in the truest sense of the word of what it actually is, it's salvation from Jesus. If you weren't here last week, what I wanna tell you real quick is that you can have peace no matter what situation you go through. And I asked three questions last week. I asked these three questions. I asked, 
Do you have peace in your life right now? Then I asked you, where does peace come from for you? And then the last thing that I asked you, which you'd want to make sure you answered before you can answer the first two, is what is peace? And we talked about, as just we do just a quick recap in the Hebrew word, it's shalom, and it's, pro- it's pronounced shalom, or shalom is what some, some translations have, but shalom, and it's the modern day free from disturbance. That's, that's essentially what peace is saying here. And shalom in the Old Testament is just describing the realm where chaos is not allowed to enter. Chaos being understood as sickness, war, social strife, violation of the covenant. We talked about this last week. And I told you that in Zechariah 8.12, it's very clear because it says, For I am planting seeds of peace and prosperity among you. The grapevines will be heavy with fruit, the earth will produce its crops, and the heavens will release the dew. Once more I will cause the remnant in Judah and Israel to inherit these blessings. God's simply saying that everything is from him. If you jump into the New Testament, as I give you this quick recap, arene, which means salvation that comes from God and essentially being in harmony with Jesus. See, when we look at peace in this way, we start realizing that we can experience peace in any relationship, we can experience peace in any situation, in any trial, in anything that you're going through simply because of the salvation and the harmony that you have with Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the one person who came down and gave us an opportunity to spend eternal life with him. There is no other way to heaven, and we believe that Jesus is this answer, which means that you can experience peace in any situation because peace isn't the presence of happiness between you and your circumstances. That's foolish, right? Why would it be between you and your circumstances because when you start making it about your circumstances, you realize that God is your seasonal prince of peace. And it doesn't say that in the Bible. It doesn't say God is the seasonal prince of peace because peace isn't necessarily a feeling or an emotion. However, I will say this. I believe that peace is attached to happiness, joy. You know, when good things take place in your life and you're free from you know, war with, a, with an employee or war with a spouse or war. Yes, you can experience peace. Peace and happiness and joy, all those things are tied together. But if you're peace and you're simply finding peace in the circumstances and the situations of your life, you will look at peace as a seasonal thing. And it's simply not because erene means peace. And what this means is salvation from Jesus Christ. So I want you to know this morning, just like I wanted you to know last week, that if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we wanna offer that to you. We want you to know that this is something that's the most important decision you could ever make in your life. Why? Because you're gonna get the peace and the hope that you've always longed for before you had the relationship with Jesus. It's the most important thing. And you can walk through anything. And it doesn't mean you're gonna walk through those things happy. It doesn't mean you're not gonna be angry anymore or you're not gonna have to work through sadness or all those things. It simply means that in the midst of the valley, he is walking with you. Because peace can actually be in the valley. See, we look at peace as happiness on the mountaintop, but peace is actually in the valley too. Why? Because if your savior is Jesus Christ, you always have him. You have him in the valley and you have him in the, on the mountaintops. I was reading a story this week and I was diving through um, a little bit of stuff that I thought I would share this morning and I thought, what's a, what's a great story that we could see somebody have a law or a command or something that they knew very clear boundaries to not do, and they did it. And I wanna read you the story of Daniel. You see, Daniel's a really interesting story because Daniel has an opportunity to turn against God, just like we all do in our everyday lives. So you have an opportunity when the Holy Spirit tells you to do something and you don't do it. You have that opportunity 
every single time to say, am I gonna choose what's right or am I not going to? You also have those opportunities when you know you shouldn't do something. You just really sense this. The Holy Spirit's saying, I wouldn't go down this path. Here's path B. This is not gonna be good for your life. And here's path A, and I got path A for you. And I really want you to go down path A. And you say, no, God, I, I think I wanna do it my way. I think I wanna go down path B. I just think it would be easier. I just think maybe it'd be better for my life because, of course, we always know what's better for our life, right? No. So Daniel has an opportunity in the story to be able to go against God. And this is what he has the opportunity to do. It says now in Daniel 6, 8 through 12, if you have your Bibles, phones, iPads, or you wanna look at the screen, would you join me in reading the scripture? It says now, your majesty, to issue, the decree, uh, issue a decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Maybe you're wondering what's going on. Daniel always serves God. He chooses to serve God. He chooses to listen to God. He chooses to make uh, God at the center of his life, the center of who he is, the center of his day. And the individuals that are working for King Darius are not a very big fan of Daniel. There's probably a level of Bitterness going on because they're jealous. Um, they're experiencing some things where they're thinking, we don't really like this guy. He's worshiping God. We need to figure out a way that we can get him in trouble. We need to just say, okay, whatever we're gonna do, we gotta get this Daniel character in trouble. So they go to King Darius and they basically say, look, Daniel, I wanna, or uh, King Darius, I wanna tell you that this Daniel guy He's been worshiping God, and I think we should issue a decree. By the law of the Medes and the Persians, we should make sure that anybody that disobeys what you have and the laws that you make and the decrees that you make will be, have a severe punishment. And that, that severe punishment is we're gonna chuck this person into a den of lions, of hungry lions. These lions haven't, haven't eaten for a couple days. Let's write this decree right now because we know that Daniel's gonna mess up. And now Daniel has an opportunity to choose what God wants from him or he has an opportunity to be, if you will, politically correct. See, we think political correctness is just happening maybe now, but I, it, I don't think it was. I think political correctness and all those types of things were happening back then because the politically correct thing to do at this particular point would be to worship King Darius and make sure that all those laws and the decrees and all the things of the Medes and the Persians were met. And, and Daniel has a really intense choice right now, and maybe you face this yourself, where you have a tough choice to make. You can either put yourself out there for, for the Lord, or you can maybe be politically correct, or maybe you can fit in, or you, maybe you can blend in, or maybe you can mesh with everybody else, and, and maybe just kind of hope that God doesn't see you in the midst of that, that you just kind of blend in, and all along he had a purpose for you. And that's exactly what he has for Daniel. And Daniel has a choice. See, we know probably, if you've read this story, you know what happens. But again, I want you to put yourself in Daniel's shoes. He doesn't know exactly that God is gonna save him from the lion's den. He knows that he has God's blessing. He knows he's protected. And he does something that's incredible. And you just read it. He goes home. He goes upstairs. And I think the Bible is very specific when it even says this in verse 10. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. He doesn't just go to his room and kneel down by his bed and 
shut the curtains and, and say, well, God, like I'm obeying you, I'm still worshiping you, because we do that. I've done that so many times where I felt God calling me to do something, I've, I've wanted to just make sure that I'm obeying him, I wanna play both sides. I'm gonna obey you, God, but I'm also gonna kinda do this my way so that maybe you don't, you know, maybe some punishments don't happen or maybe I don't get looked upon as, you know, not like a, a cool dude. Or I mean, you see this in schools all the time. I've talked to high school kids about this. They wanna live for Jesus, but on the other side, there's that cool element, and I wanna fit in, and we all wanna fit in, and how do I play this game? Can I live for Jesus and still fit in? How do I do this? And I think the Bible's very clear in the story of Daniel right here, because he had a choice, and he could've went to his bedside, but instead, he goes to the upper room, his upstairs room, where the windows are open facing Jerusalem. Not just one time a day, not just two times a day, but three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. I love that, just as he had done before. It's kind of interesting. A decree comes about, he was doing this before the decree comes about, and all of a sudden, this decree, this opportunity where he has a choice comes about, and there's a severe punishment comes about. But just as he did before, despite the decree, despite anything in his life, he still chooses to kneel down and give thanks to God. In 11, it says, then these men, they went as a group, they were probably licking their chops. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king. Hey, King Darius, did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who wants to pray to any God or human being except you? Uh, isn't, isn't that a decree we just made? I'm pretty sure we just talked about this, King Darius. If anybody prays against you, human, uh, idol, God, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Anybody prays against you, don't, isn't there a severe punishment? I'm pretty sure we just made a decree about that. And wouldn't they be thrown into a very severe punishment with hungry lions? The king answered, yeah, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Daniel goes down, you probably know the story, we don't have time to get into it, but Daniel does get chucked into the lion's den. And while he's down there, the mouths of the lions are closed, and I know that he knew that he had the protection of God, but even if their mouths are closed, are you still kind of afraid to be in the lion's den? I know I would. You chuck me in a den of lions, I don't care if their mouths are closed, it's still the presence of a bunch of lions and I'm sitting in a den. I have to believe that Daniel might have had a little bit of fear, but his trust overtrumped his fear. And I think it's really neat that he knew, he knew what God had said to him. And I think sometimes I give more value to what I see rather than what God said. I think this doesn't just go from the Old Testament it also goes into the New Testament because I think you and I could say this line right here to ourselves and say, yep, this is me, that sometimes I give more value to what I see rather than what God said. And what I mean by this is that sometimes you and I, we know exactly what we're seeing in front of us. We know the punishment. We see lions right in front of us and we forget immediately what God said. And in the New Testament, this takes place all the time. There was tons of individuals that saw the punishment. I talked about Peter. Peter messed up a lot. Peter did not have a filter. Peter said whatever he basically was on his mind. You saw him getting different, different uh, predicaments in the New Testament. But Peter saw 
the writing on the wall because at one point, Peter got crucified upside down and we know that he died a gruesome death. And in the end, I think Peter knew all along that he was gonna die for Jesus. He was gonna be martyred for Jesus. He knew exactly what he saw, which was death. But he remembered what Jesus said. And what Jesus said is that to die is gain and I'm gonna, I am going to make sure that you are with me in paradise when you die if you choose to have me as your savior. See, I think sometimes you and me, we look at a circumstance, we look at something that's coming our way, we look at a potential punishment or challenge, and we see it in the near future, and maybe God's telling us to do something, and we know that we have the promises of God. We know we're loved by God. We know that he's a merciful God. We know that he died on the cross for us so that we're covered in his blood, and we always have hope. We know these things. These are not only things he said, but these are things he did. But our eyes are so fixed on what we see that sometimes we lose track of this. And I want you to know that when we get to this point of only recognizing the things that we see, we're gonna start only going after those things that we see. We're never gonna trust in what God has said. I was listening to a story the other day and it was this, this preacher and he was talking about picking up this hitchhiker. And I found this story to be really funny. He said, I was driving along and I saw a hitchhiker and he said, I decide to, decided to pick this hitchhiker up. And um, he said, the hitchhiker gets in the car and says, yeah, I just, um, I need to get a ride, you know, over whatever, wherever it was. And the guy's like, yeah, that, that sounds good. And he said, hey, you know what? I actually, I gotta stop for gas real quick. I'm gonna get some gas and while we're at the gas station, why don't you just go in and pick out some stuff to eat and when you're done, I'll just come in and pay for it. And so they stop at the gas station and the hitchhiker says, actually, you know what, there's, there's a McDonald's over there, if you don't mind. I see it over there, and the guy says, okay, like, all right, that's fine. I mean, I was, you know, just gonna get you something here real quick while I'm stopping for gas. This is easier, but yeah, we'll go to the McDonald's. That's fine. So he goes to the McDonald's. He gets in the drive-thru at McDonald's, and he said it's a long line. He's sitting there waiting, and finally gets up to the, the place where you order, and says, uh, McDonald's, what can, you know, what can we get you? And he said, um, we'll take a... He's like, what do, you, what do you want? And the guy's like, double cheeseburger. And he's like, all right, we'll take a double cheeseburger. And then the guy said, hold the mayo and the tomatoes or onions or whatever. All right, hold, hold the double cheeseburger, hold the mayo, the onions. And the guy says, yeah, and then get me some chicken selects. And so the guy, okay. He'll take some chicken selects too, please. Then after that, the guy says again, yeah, actually, could you get me some fries too? He'll also take some fries. He's starting to get a little bit annoyed. Like, dude, all right, what's going on here? So he'll take some fries. Yeah, and if you don't mind, can you make that a biggie size? Fries, make it a biggie size. Then he said the guy asked for a McFlurry, and he said, I said, no, he's getting a water. So he cut him off at the McFlurry. The whole point being, he said, isn't it amazing how we go from wanting a ride to hold the pickles and the tomatoes and the onions? The whole point being simply this. Isn't it interesting when we're talking about this idea of peace, and at the end you're gonna see where I'm going with this because I wanna tell you that this idea of peace is very, very interesting because peace is so attached to gratitude. And sometimes in our lives, all we're asking God for is a ride, and once he gives us that ride, we want biggie size. We want extra fries. We want the McFlurry. We want 
See, we're never grateful sometimes, it feels like. I shouldn't say never, but it often feels like we're not grateful for what God has done because we're too busy focusing on what he could actually do. And so we get the ride, we get picked up, and we're the hitchhikers, and he's taken us, and he's, gonna, he's offered us food in the gas station, but no, there's McDonald's over there, and we want McDonald's, and I want, hold the mayo, hold the onion, I want the McFlurry, I want all these different things, and I wanna tell you that you can best recognize peace, and I strongly believe this, I strongly believe this, that you can best recognize peace in your life by expressing an attitude of gratitude for what God has given you. It's as simple as this. One of my biggest fears has been taking things for granted. It's one of the reasons that I worry. And if you're a person that worries, one of the reasons that you worry is because you're afraid that if you don't worry, you might be taking that situation for granted. It's a known thing. It's a known thing in our brains that when we worry about things, the whole root of why we're worrying about that thing is because we wanna make sure that we did not take that for granted. I worry about people driving because why? I'm afraid that they might get in an accident and not make it. And I, in my heart, I feel like, man, if I'm not worried about it, I'm taking it for granted. So once it happens, I'd almost be prepared for it if I worried about it. And that is the biggest lie from the enemy. But I'm telling you, we take things for granted often, too often. And I believe one of the reasons that we get to places of being unappreciative is because we don't take time to recognize what God is doing because we're too focused on what we want him to do. And I think this is a really, really disappointing and scary trap to get in because I think that you can best recognize peace in your life by having an attitude of gratitude. And it means that you're gonna have to start being thankful and recognizing the things that God is doing in your life and has already done in your life so that you don't get to a place of taking things for granted. In Mark 8, 8 through 13, it says this. It says, during those days, another large crowd gathered since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him. I lost my place. And said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they're gonna collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you even have? Jesus says, I got seven. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground when he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distrib distribute to the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well, and they gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate, and they were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. I love that. They go from not having enough food to having leftovers. About 4,000 were present. Uh, after he had sent them away, he got into the boat and went to... Dalmanutha, that's how I at least pronounce it. Now I want you to catch this next part in verse 11. Very interesting. Jesus did, did an incredible miracle when you think about it. There's no food available and he breaks some bread, they got a couple fish and now they have leftovers. This is an amazing miracle. Can you imagine if there was 4,000 people and I'm sitting here and I say, I don't really have enough food or let's even take this room right now. Let's say I had just a little burrito from Taco Bell, and I'm sitting here telling you that I'm gonna feed you guys, you're thinking, this dude is nuts. But somehow at the end, we end up having, everybody eats, they're all satisfied, and I actually got leftover Taco Bell in this. Would you not say, holy cow, this is a miracle. This is an incredible miracle right here. But look what happens in verse 11. The Pharisees, they came to him and they be began to question Jesus to test him. They asked for a sign from heaven. 
He sighs deeply. (sighs) Why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no one will be given to it. Then he left them, got back in the boat, and crossed to the other side. I want you to catch this. I think that sometimes we don't get the opportunity to see what God just did because we're too busy on waiting on what he will do. The Pharisees did not get a chance to see the miracle. In fact, they asked for one. They asked for him to do something crazy, and he said, no, you're not gonna be able to see it. Nothing Nothing will happen here. They have no idea that right before he came to their region, he just did an incredible miracle. But when you are unfocused on the thing that, when you're focused on the wrong thing, you don't often get to see or you don't even have the perspective of what God just did because you're too busy testing him, you're too busy being angry at him, you're too busy wondering at what he's gonna do. Maybe you're asking him, God, what are you gonna do in my marriage? Like, I I am just, I'm so unhappy or you know, blah, 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 and God's saying, I've already done wonders in your marriage. If you continue to stay focused on me, I will continue to grow you. Maybe it's your work. You're thinking, God, I don't know what my calling is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What do you have for me? And God's already like, you know what? You have touched so many people and worked with so many people or you have, you have taught students. You have built things with your hands. You have done all these different things and you're so focused on what he's gonna do in the future. You're not even thankful for what he's already done. Now, I love encouragement. I'm one of those guys. It's a love language for me. Affirmation, I really love to be able to affirm people. And there's a lot of people that don't care about affirming people. And I have actually come to the conclusion, this is selfishly, I think when you get to a place where you can't encourage somebody or you can't be grateful for what they did, that you actually have some insecurities. I do believe that. I'm not saying that everybody's love language is affirmation. You should go around and tell everyone they're doing a good job all the time. But I believe when you can't get outside yourself to tell someone they did a good job or to be able to appreciate something someone did for you, there's an insecurity in yourself. Because what it does when you're grateful is it actually takes the focus off of yourself and puts it on somebody else. When you take the focus off yourself, you get an opportunity to be grateful and you get the perspective to appreciate what God has already done. There's three things this morning that I want you to be able to take away and I hope that we'll, we'll put this thing together. I want you to know that how God can be the Prince of Peace and not a seasonal Prince of Peace in your life, how God can be the Prince of Peace that in your life that's described in the scriptures is this. You can start being grateful for what he's given you you can start recognizing that what he's given you already to this point has been more than we deserve. The amount of grace that he's given us, we don't deserve. The amount of mercy that he's shown upon us, we don't deserve. The fact that we should have been hanging on the cross ourselves, but I wanna sit there and complain about my day-to-day stuff, I should have been hanging on the cross and instead he decided to come down and take my place and do it for me. And I'm gonna sit there and question him and be frustrated with him. He's already done so much. And I can recognize him as the Prince of Peace in my life by being grateful for what he's given me. And you can be grateful for what he's given you. You can understand that God is your Prince of Peace and it may disrupt your situational peace. Going back to the story of Daniel. Daniel probably had peace in his life. He was pretty tight with the king. You know, he was able to do some prophetic stuff. He was, he was a pretty big stud in the kingdom. Everything's going well. And peace is associated with happiness and joy and all those things, and it should be. And I'm not saying that if you shouldn't have like peace in your life, that's great. 
But true peace comes from God. And so what he did in that moment was he realized that his true source of peace is God and he actually allowed it to disrupt his earthly peace or his day-to-day peace because he went up and he opened those windows and he kneed down and he knelt down and he prayed to God and he thanked him. Doing what's right and having peace and harmony with God might actually disrupt the peace that you have in your life because he might actually ask you to do something that doesn't make sense to the world. It doesn't make sense to other people, but they might recognize that he's actually the prince of peace in your life. And focusing on the realization that he's already done so much. See, the first one is a little different because I think the first one is the fact that you could realize that he's giving you so much and he continues to give you so much. And the third one is simply that he's already done so much. See, God's just not the seasonal prince of peace. He's not my prince of convenience. He's not just the prince of my preference. He's not just the prince of happiness. He's the prince of peace. And when we look at the word arene and we see that it's salvation, we begin to understand that we can walk through anything. But along the way, would you say thanks to him? Along the way, would you be grateful for something that he's done in your life? Don't be somebody like me who worries all the time and is afraid about the future and is always wishy-washy on thinking about, oh, what can I, you know, you know, how can I worry about the next thing? I've gotten so much better at that, and part of the reason I've gotten so much better is because I started replacing my worry with gratefulness. It's really scary and it's really hard for me to say because I can't tell you how big of an issue this is for me. But I've had to realize that I can't control everything. I know this is shocking. And because I can't worry about everything, I've actually had to give it to God. And when I hand, handed that to God, I, I didn't just hand it to him because you don't hand somebody a burden and then walk away. You hand, some, some, you hand somebody a burden and you say, thanks for taking this. And that's exactly what I had to do. I had to get to a place where I handed God my worries and I didn't just walk away ungrateful or taking him for granted. I handed him those worries and I said, thank you, because I don't wanna carry these anymore. I wanna be grateful for what you've done for me, what you've given me. You've given me a family that I can never be grateful enough. I cannot thank you enough for my boys. I cannot thank you enough for Megan and how she's stood by me through all the bad and all the good. I cannot thank you enough, God, for what you did for me on the cross. And even though my peace might be disrupted at certain times, I know that ultimately you're my Prince of Peace and I'm gonna give you thanks. My challenge for you this week is simply this, that I want you to know that gratitude is the greatest way that you can stay desperate for God. You've heard me say up here that I don't wanna be in a desperate place to be desperate for God because that's, that's hard. When things are going really good in your life and things are really, really happening for you, Don't forget to thank him for what he's already done and what he's doing. And I want you to know that you can be grateful for the peace in your life. So my challenge to you this week is simply this, that when you're grateful for the peace in your life, you're gonna recognize that he is your Prince of Peace. And I want you to do something this week and I wanna do this as a church this week. You might not be the encouraging type, you might, Maybe saying thank you or, saying, or telling someone they did a good job or, or telling your kids that you're proud of them. Maybe that's hard for you. I, 
I know that not everybody's wired like that. I'm not naive to think that. I look at encouragement as a really, as a source of empowerment, and that's why I like doing it. That's why throughout the week, I like to send different people encouragement that are on my heart that I'm really thinking about, because I want them to know that not only do I believe in you with this text, but I wanna hopefully encourage you and spur you on. I wanna let you know that I'm taking the focus off myself and off my job and off my daily routine right now in this moment to let you know that I'm thinking about you and I care about you. My challenge to you this week is every single day from here on out, starting today, Sunday evening to next Saturday, or if you even wanna extend it to next Sunday, I want you to text or tell somebody one thing that you're thankful for, or one thing that you're grateful for, or a word of encouragement. If it's texting somebody, hey, thanks for, thanks for helping me move a couple weekends ago, I really appreciate that, you didn't have to do that. Or it's, hey, you know what, I'm really grateful that you invest in our kids. Thank you for doing a good job. Or, Hey, you know what? I noticed at work you had a chance to get really ticked at this person and you showed incredible grace. I, I noticed that and I, I just wanna tell you, I, I think you should keep doing that, it's really cool. Find people in your life that you can be grateful for because the thing about peace is it's not just harmony with God, it's harmony amongst persons, which means God's people. And the greatest way that you could find harmony with one another is to serve one another, to love one another, to spur each other on. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Dear Jesus, we come before you. We come before you knowing that you are a good God. And it's amazing how too often my life goes on and my day goes on and my routine goes on and I, I don't take a moment to be grateful. I don't take a moment to be thankful. But the truth is that I should have had my arms stretched on that piece of wood and I should have been hanging up there but I'm so wrapped up in my status. I'm so wrapped up in my appearance. I'm so wrapped up in my job. I'm so wrapped up in all the things that revolve around me too often. And I start wanting the praise or I start wanting the things that I think I'm owed, that I think you owe me. But what happens is in the process, I begin to take you for granted. And I believe the opposite of taking something for granted is to be grateful for it. So I wanna tell you before all these people, God, and we wanna tell you that we are grateful. We are grateful for what you've done for us on the cross. We're grateful for the things you've given us. Yes, have we experienced loss? Yes, have we experienced hurt? Yes, have we experienced pain and tragedy and sadness and hardships and frustrations? Yes, but that does not negate the fact that you hung up on a cross for us that alone I am grateful for. May we be people that find peace in our lives, understanding that peace is not just a feeling. It's not just about being happy because that's foolish because we're not always gonna be happy. And we start looking at you and questioning you that maybe you're not the Prince of Peace when all along I believe you're looking down, God, and saying, I died for you, that's what peace is. If you hold on to that, you can walk through anything. God, we love you. We're thankful, we're grateful. May this week we challenge each other as a church to text, to call, to reach out, to write, to email, to Facebook message, whatever it is, to tell somebody, I'm thankful for you. Because we wanna be in a harmonious relationship with each other. We love you, God. We're so grateful for you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
are so glad you're able to experience what's happening here at Waypoint Community Church through our podcasts. Our prayer is that these resources are a blessing to you. Please be sure to catch us again next time.